0: If one more person takes my hand And tries to say they understand And tells me there's a bigger plan That I'm not meant to see If one more person dares suggest That I held something unconfessed and tries to make the dots connect From righteousness to easy street Well I, I won't deny That I've relied on some assumptions A man's honest life Entitles him to something Who am I to make demands of the God of Abraham? And who are you that you would choose to answer me with mercy new? As one more opportunity To educate To help me see All my fault theology If one more well Tension free Tries to tie up my loose ends Hoping to With rugged Moments from the room but I
1: to the book of Job, get your sermon notes out. And before we look at the life of Job and how it relates to Christ and Christmas, let me ask you a question. Does it bother you that as we go through the story and we look at character after character after character, that no one, whether it's in the Old Testament or New Testament, is exempt from pain and suffering? Does it bother you that sometimes even when they're more obedient, they are holy, they are righteous, they are good, they do their best to follow God, that their life is full of pain? Does that bother you? It bothers me. We don't like suffering. I don't like to talk about suffering. I like talking about good things and joyful things and hopeful things and we hate suffering. We will do whatever we can to get suffering out of our life. To whatever we have to do to eradicate it, if we have to ignore it, if we have to push it down, if we have to run away, if we have to medicate, whatever we have to do, we want that suffering relieved. And that's what our prayer time usually becomes. God, take away the suffering. Get rid of that suffering in my life. I don't want to suffer anymore. Rarely do we embrace suffering when it comes in our life or pain, and and we examine what God is doing and the emotions that we're feeling, but we try more so to reject that than accept it. But the truth is, we all suffer. There's not one person in this room, there's not one person that can hear my voice that does not suffer, has not suffered, or will not suffer. And sometimes, when we follow God, And when we're obedient, we will suffer even more. It's just the reality. But there's a disconnect, and it doesn't seem right, it seems inconsistent, doesn't it, to think that if I follow God, I'm going to have suffering in my life. Because Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full or abundant life. Our first two candles on the Advent wreath over here for for hope and for peace in our life, It doesn't seem like I should have to suffer if God brings hope and peace to my life. And sometimes when we follow God, we can get very disillusioned because of the pain and the suffering that we're experiencing. And unfortunately for others, it becomes the deal breaker with God. That there's just too much pain. That there's just too much suffering. And so God, I'm out. Let's look at the life of Job together, see what we can learn, see how it fits into the Christmas story, and then apply it to our life. In Job chapter 1, beginning of verse 1, it says, There once was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, and 500 female donkeys. He also had many servants. He was, in fact, the richest person in that area. Job's sons would take turns preparing feasts in their home, and they would also invite their three sisters to celebrate with them. When these celebrations ended, sometimes after several days, Job would purify his children. He would get up early in the morning and offer a burnt offering for each of them. For Job said to himself, perhaps my children have sinned, and have cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular practice. Let's pause right there. Job is a good guy. He's a righteous person. He's a holy person. He fears God. He wants him and his family to be right with God. And so just in case, not even if they did anything on the outside, but maybe inside their hearts, somehow they, they were far from God, or rejected God, or cursed God. I, I'm going to make sacrifices for my my kids, and and so we see that he is really a good guy. We pick up the story in verse 6. One day, the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord, and the accuser, Satan, was with them. Where have you come from? the Lord asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord, I have been patrolling the earth, watching everything going on. Then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. Satan replied to the Lord, Yes, but Job has good reason to fear God. You have always put a wall of protection around him in his home and his property. You have made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. But reach out and take away everything he has, and surely he will curse you to your face. And So God removes the protection. Allows the devil to run rampant, and the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And within a matter of moments, Job loses absolutely everything he owns, including his children. Job did not suffer because he was a bad guy. In fact, he was a good guy. Not only does God say he was good, the devil said he was good. He suffered because he was good. And he lost absolutely everything. But that wasn't enough for the devil. Because the devil says, well, sure, you, you haven't touched him. That's why he's still worshiping you. That's why he's still praying, because you haven't hurt him. And, and so God says, okay, you can touch him. You just can't kill him. And so every form of sickness and disease is unleashed on Job's life. And there Job sits, as we watched in the video in that moment. And with everything going on, Job still says this. In chapter 1 and verse 21, he said, I came naked from my mother's womb and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. How can you do that? When you've lost everything, and you've tried so hard, and you were so good, how could this be? Job, along with everybody else we've studied and will study, from Adam and Eve all the way through to the end, is each one realizes God is all they have. That whether you have everything or whether you have nothing, God is all you got. And so I might as well worship him. I might as well stay close to him because he's all I got. And I really need to talk to him. That's what Job's thinking. I really need to talk with God. I need to, I need to have a little session with God to go over all this. The most frustrating part of, of the book of Job for me, as I've read through it the past several weeks again and again, is, is that middle section, about 30 plus chapters where Job's friends come over, and they try to comfort him, but it, it, really what they're doing is they're accusing him of being a sinner. And over and over and over again, they argue back and forth, and, and they get so judgmental against Job. And, and I found myself getting angry as I'm reading that, but then you know what, I realized that I'm the same way. And to be honest, you're the same way. A lot of times we get judgmental of the people that are suffering. Sometimes we even get judgmental of ourselves when we're suffering, because we really do see judgment in pain and suffering. We see... God must be angry with me. There must be something I did that I don't know that I did. Or they must have done something really bad to be going through what they're going through. And, and we just automatically assume that, well, you know, you get what you deserve. And, and somehow, some way, you're messing up and you're a problem and you're cursed. And, or you feel like you're cursed. And, 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 and that's sometimes how we feel and we struggle with that. But that's not how God sees our suffering. God sees our suffering... Much different than we see our suffering. You've got to realize that the friends of Job thought they had it all figured out. Job thought he had it all figured out. But they didn't know. They had no clue. Because God looks at our pain and suffering different than we do. God looks at it as though He's building us, not punishing us, but building us. That God is doing something that is for our good in the end. And even though He is not causing the suffering, that's the enemy, the fallen world in which we live. He is going to use it to build us up. Because rarely do we say thank you enough when things are going good. Rarely do we say, oh God, thank you so much. You're you're so awesome. You're so wonderful. So good, God. I love you. But as soon as something bad happens, we're the first ones, why me? Oh God, take it away. And God is the same in the good times and in the bad times. And in every time in between, He's always watching out for us. He's always taking care of us. He's always with us. He's always in control. And He's all that we have. Job realizes that God is all that He has. And so he says, God, I've got a lot of questions for you. I want my day in court. I want to talk to you about this. And I want to tell you, He was completely honest with God. And I don't know if you feel like you can be completely honest with God, but you can. Job says, I wish I was never born. I curse anybody that had a part in my birth. I wish I would have never, ever, ever been born. God, why would you birth me just to do this to me? I mean, honestly, God, could, you, could I just have been stillborn? Could I just have gone to be with you? Could we just have wiped all the? What in the world, God? Why would you do this? I tried so hard, and I was so good. God, just, I want just measure out. Put me on the scale and know that I am a good guy. And I tried my hardest. Put me on that scale. And so often, that's what we pray. God, balance the scales. But you know what? Jesus didn't come to balance the scales. He came and he told you, carry your cross. Lay down your life. You don't want to balance the scales with God. Because as soon as God started talking, you know what the first two words he said to Job were? Brace yourself, Job. We're going to talk now. You've talked enough. Now I'm going to talk to you. And the first two words are, brace yourself. Brace yourself. And he begins with the famous line, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? And then for chapters, he begins to give these word pictures of how powerful he is. Not just laying the foundations of the earth, but can you move the stars with your finger? Can you shout at the clouds and make them rain and all those beautiful pictures? Am, I am way above you, Job. There's so much more going on that you don't know about. And Job, if you really want to jump on that scale with me, we can do it. But I don't think you really want to, because I... I and he goes on and on and on how how glorious he is. And you can get on the other side if you want, Job. If you really want to try this out, get on the other side and tell me how good you are. But it will be way as much as a breath. That's about it. When Job realizes what's going on, he gets the message and he repents before God. And it's at this moment that Job realizes an important life lesson. And that's that a life of obedience doesn't guarantee a life of no problems. A life of obedience does not guarantee a life of no problems. That when we follow God, there will be pain and there will be suffering. And God knows and he is concerned and he is with you and he has compassion. But God is doing something even greater in your life. My favorite part of the book of the Job, when it comes to the end, and obviously he's blessed and he gets everything back and doubled in power. It's just a great ending to the story. But I love the line of Job. My favorite part of the story is the the ending line of Job. And that's, he says, Before I knew about God, but now I know God. Now I really know God. As I have passed through pain, As I've passed through difficulties, as I've passed through suffering, now I know God. And so in the difficulties of the life that you live, don't ignore God. Don't run away from Him. That's the time to increase your relationship with Him. That's the time to draw near to Him and allow God to reveal Himself to you. Why? Because God knows what you're going through. When Jesus was born, he was born into a time of suffering. And eight days after he was born, he was presented at the temple. And there were two prophetic blessings and words over his life, one from Simeon and one from Anna in Luke chapter 2. And when Simeon is talking, he gives this glorious kind of prophetic word over Jesus' life, but then he turns to Mary and he talks about the suffering that this child will bring. It says in Luke chapter 2, verse 34, And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce your own soul also, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. This is a prophetic look that Jesus is going to suffer, that he's going to die, that, that there is going to be suffering, and we know that Jesus was a man of sufferings. Pastor Merrill so eloquently last week walked through the prophets and showed that Jesus would have to suffer and die. It says in Isaiah 53, 3, he was a man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. When you go to God and say, God, I hate suffering. You know what Jesus says? Me too. Me too. I don't like it either. It hurts. And he knows what it is. The Father knows what it is to give his only Son. Jesus knows what it is to suffer and die for something that he never did. It was appointed for him. This was his mission. It says in Luke twenty-four, 26, Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Jesus told his disciples again and again, beginning in Matthew chapter 16, that he's going to go to the cross and he's going to die and he's going to suffer many things at the hands of men. And the first time he shares this with his disciples, that I'm going to suffer and die, Peter pulls him aside and says, oh no, Jesus, that'll never happen. No, 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 Jesus, stop talking that way. That's not going to happen. What does Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. You don't have the mind of God, you have the mind of man. Jesus knew that he came to suffer. Jesus knew that it would be part of his life. He knew that it was part of entering into humanity where you and I live. He knew that suffering was part of the deal. And Peter got it a little bit later when he wrote his epistle in 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning at verse 12. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through. Is this something strange were happening to you? Instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ In his suffering. When we suffer and go through pain, we are partaking with Christ in his suffering. I don't know about you, but it's amazing to think that the difficulties of my life is actually uniting me with Christ. It's bringing me closer to him. So it isn't inconsistent with the hope and the love and the peace that God promises. But that suffering actually unites me with him. And as I deny myself and my life is not my own and I lay it down and I take up my cross, the more I do that, the more I'm like Christ. And the good news is, is that the suffering doesn't last forever. That's what Jesus promises, that we will be raised again with newness of life, that that we will be changed and God guarantees a good ending to the story, just like with Job. And that's the good news. So we need to remember like we learned from James a couple of weeks ago when I was preaching in James chapter 1 and verse 2, Dear brothers and sisters, when trials come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Really? Okay. We'll put the suffering into the joy column. Preach that a couple of weeks ago. You have to do it because somehow, some way, God is going to use it. God is going to be at work in my life. And just as Jesus' sufferings brought him to something better, our suffering will bring us to something better and it will conform us into his image. When we go through suffering, there's many different kinds of suffering. There's physical suffering in our bodies, there's emotional sufferings, there's financial sufferings that people go through, there's relational suffering, there's so much different kinds of suffering, but God wants to use that in your life. God will never waste suffering in your life. You may try to run away, you may try to medicate, you may try to eradicate the suffering, but God will never waste the suffering in your life. He will use that. God wants to use it. Do you realize that God wants to use the suffering in your life to change you, to mold you, to shape you, to conform you into His image, to draw you close to Him so that He can be there for you? He wants to use it for your good. He wants to redeem it and take what is broken and fix it and make it beautiful. God wants to do those things in our life. He has a plan. God has a plan for your suffering. But so does the devil. He's got a plan for your suffering. And that's to drag you away from God, for you to get so disillusioned that you curse God and die that you just, I, I just can't take it. It's a deal breaker. God, it's over. I'm out of here. But remember what God says in the Word, what Jesus tells us, words in red, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to get you away from God to destroy you. Where God's saying, when the trials come, lean into me. Lean into me. I will be there for you. Trials test our faith. They mature us. They grow us up as they did with everyone in the story. And God uses our trials because when we really do suffer, we find out, what we really do believe. We find out what's really important to us. We find out who we really depend on. Jesus tells a story in the Sermon on the Mount in uh, Matthew chapter 7. When he's done with his teaching, it's a parable of the person who built their house on the sand and one who builds their house on the rock. And the, when the winds and waves come, when the pain and suffering comes, one house is washed away and one house remains. See, trials and suffering and pain tell us where we're building, where we're built on. It shows that, that we have been built on the rock. When you build on the rock, anything can come against you, but you stand strong. I've been trying to think of how to illustrate this for my own life, and it's never any fun to go back and relive your... Um, deepest suffering. I didn't do too good at this last night, so I'm going to try a little better this morning. But I have to go back almost 16 years in my life. I've had a great life. God has been so good to me. I was raised in a Christian home. I've always loved and enjoyed school. I, I got to come work at this church after I graduated seminary and I, and I just, I'm so thankful every day. When I came back, I, I met Leslie, and we got married. We bought a house. Life is good, right? So what's the next thing you do? Well, it's time to have kids. So Leslie's pregnant, and, um, and uh, Luke is born. When, when Luke was born, uh, that night, even in the delivery room, we knew that something was wrong. There was, there was just this, they weren't telling us anything, but you could just tell something wasn't right. And when Luke was born, uh, through complications, he didn't breathe for the first several minutes of his life. In fact, they, they snatched him away from us, and uh, um, everybody left the room. It was just Leslie and I there, and, and we, we couldn't hear him cry, and we were, God, what's going on? And, and our hearts were broken, and we never got to hold him that first night. We could watch through a window, them working on him, and uh, they got him to breathe and stuff like that, but then he got to hold him the next day, but they had to take him away again because he was, um, he was uh, having seizures, and... and uh, So, uh, obviously we begin to pray. Leslie's recovering, we're praying. I know the college is praying, the church is praying, friends everywhere are praying. And I just think to myself that, God, you're all we got in this one. And so I began to think... um, I just need to pray for Luke like I've never prayed for anything in my life. And I knew that people were praying all the time, everywhere. And I, I just thought, I'm going to go and I'm going to pray through the night because I don't know if anybody's praying at night. So I'm going I'm to get up about 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. I'm going to take a shower, get dressed. I'm going to go to the needle-natal intensive care unit at Lutheran General Hospital. And um, I'm going to pray. And if you, if you know that room, and all, they have all these uh, little incubators. And most babies in that room are preemie babies. So they're very small babies. And Luke was quite a large baby when he was born. And so it's just like all of a sudden this right there in the middle. Um, so I, I always knew which one Luke was when I came in. And, and um, a lot of times I couldn't hold him and stuff because he was on medication and in there. And um, so I just sit there all night in a rocking chair right next to him praying. And I'd be on my knees praying. And I just prayed. And I'd go there every night. Every night and pray. And the reason I'd also pray through the night is because they, they, they couldn't and they wouldn't tell me if he'd be alive the next day, if I'd see him again. So I'm not going to leave. We're going to pray. And um, to get to that point, we're God. You're all I got. And whether I have him for a few minutes or for a lifetime, I'll worship you. I'll praise you. I'll live for you. And, um, and, and I thought I knew God beforehand. I have loved God. I've tried to follow Him. But you know what? In that moment, I knew God. And here's the reason why. When life is comfortable, I don't need faith. When life is easy and good, I don't need God that much. I could do it by myself. I mean, sure, I love God and I worship Him and I, I, I say that I need it, but it's in that moment when, God, you are all I have. That's when you know him. And I can't explain it, but there's something that is mysterious about suffering that draws us close to God. And God will use that to bring you close. And God will also redeem the situation that you're going through. Now, again... We are blessed beyond measure that God answered prayer and supernaturally healed Luke. They said, well, you know what? He, he won't be as you know, smart as the other kids because he hasn't had oxygen to his brain. Luke is so smart, I don't know what to do with him. And, and, um, and I'm not just talking about your mouth, son. I'm talking about your brain. I'm talking about... But, uh... And, uh... And, well, he won't, be, he won't be strong like the other kids, and he won't be able to play sports or do And And now it's just a joy to watch him and uh, play basketball and all these different things. And, and, and God's redeeming. And so every time, you know, it, it's, I mean, I can get angry with Luke, but it's really hard for me because he's like this miracle in my life. So it's really, it's like, oh, man, I want to really not like you right now, but I love you so much I can't stand it. You know, I just, I just I, you know, and, and uh and God is good. And God is good. And, and there's others in our church that, that maybe don't have that story. Their story goes a different direction. But you know what? I guarantee you, if I brought them up here right now, they would say, God is still good. And He has still redeemed the situation. And He has still answered my prayer. And He is close to me. Don't waste your pain and suffering. Worship, wait on God. And draw near to him. Don't waste. Worship and wait. I love the ending of the song that we saw so powerfully portrayed in that music video. that, That song is called Broken Praise. But the last words of the song are, But you were the one who filled my cup, And you were the one who let it spill. So blessed be your holy name if you never fill it up again. If this is where my story ends, give me one more breath to say hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. If this is where my story ends, give me one more breath to say hallelujah. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning? I want to pray for you. I know for a fact that there are many in our church right now Where this season of suffering and pain is your, this is your Luke situation. This is your moment. And you've been just calling out to God. God, take it away. Take away the pain. Take it away. And I believe that God is drawing you closer to His heart during this time. This pain and suffering in this life will not last forever. This will be the worst it ever gets. God doesn't want you just to know about him. He wants you to know him. So I want to pray for you today. And then in a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing. We're going to worship the Lord with the words of Job. First, let me pray for you. Lord, we wait on you. God, you are all that we have. God, we we try so hard to be in control. We try so hard to have everything just right in life. But God, the reality is that the only one in control is you. And you're the only one we can cry out to. You are our hope. You are our strength. God, we repent of trying to eradicate the suffering from our life. And Lord, we embrace it today. And we pray that every pain would bring us closer to you. That every challenge we face, God, would bring us closer to you. God, that we will know you. God that would be conformed into your image. God, I thank you that you are not a God that stands far away from us. But you're one that comes near and says, me too. God, I thank you that as we lay down our life and pick up our cross, that's where we truly find that abundant life you promised. And God, you come in and you rescue us in the midst of our suffering. Thank you for your word. But it's still alive today after thousands of generations. And it speaks to us. And so Lord, we embrace your word and we will act out your word as we now stand and worship you with the words of Job. Blessed you stand with me this morning. Let's spend some time worshiping God.
2: This be your name. Learn
1: that's that the the devil is absolutely losing his mind right now. Because it's like, he thought he had it figured out. I'll just keep dumping. I'll just, you know, at some point they're going to curse God and die. And then for him to see some of you today singing that song going, what do I have to do? And don't let the devil pull you away. Lean into God. Lean into God. Rest in Him. God is good, isn't He? Oh man, He is so good. I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to bless you, and then you can go and. But I know that some, because last night, some just wanted to stay and keep worshiping. So we're going to sing that again. If you want to stay and keep worshiping, you can do that. If you are going through pain and suffering right now and you need special prayer, I'm going to be down front and I'll pray with anybody that needs prayer today. The um, up here we got packets and. Um, Maybe you say, I, I wish I had that kind of relationship with God. I wish I was close to God. And inside that packet is, is a, a prayer you can pray and a Bible you can read and some more information about following God. And I just encourage you to take that step today to embrace what you're going through because that is actually going to lead you to abundant life in God. And, um, and uh, just God did it all on the cross for us. He paid the price. He suffered and died for us for our sin, so that we can be right with God. And you can be right with God today and start that journey. Just grab one of those. They're free. There's some more in the lobby as well. But just want you to have one today. But well, let me pray for you and uh, receive the blessing of the Lord. Then I'll pray. And then, then we'll just keep worshiping. If you need to go, go. Um, but uh, make sure you invite somebody to church uh, next week for the musical. It's going to be good. They need the message of the good news of Jesus coming. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May he show you his favor and give you his peace. God, I thank you that in the midst of pain and suffering, God, your blessing never ceases. God, that you're always drawing us closer to you. And God, that you're always there to rescue us. And so God, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for the time in your presence. I thank you for even the song that we have sung and we're going to sing again. May it draw our hearts close to you today. And um, God, we just love you. (laughs) When we walked in this room, we we knew you. But now we really know you, God. We really know you. And God, we want to know you more and more and more until we see you face to face. But until then, we're going to live for you. So keep us safe and keep us strong until we can gather together again as the church and worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Worship the Lord. Invite somebody to church next weekend. If you need special prayer, I'll be down front. Hit it, Leanne.